0: This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Starting things out by going right into your phone calls. It's Brian in Colorado on the amp line. Hey, Brian.
1: Hey, guys. Where's Julia.
0: Uh, she is around, but uh, not on tonight. We might be expecting her in tomorrow. What's on your mind?
1: Oh, man, you got to spend Valentine's Day with your girl.
0: <laughs> well, I'll see if I can convince her to get out of bed.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, hey, uh, since it is Valentine's Day, you know, the most romantic marketed day of the year. So they say. Uh, I, want, I wanted to tell a story about a uh, a recent divorce that I've had.
0: Oh, oh okay. Do tell.
1: What could be more romantic than a divorce, right? Mm. Well, my wife Heidi and I were divorced, I think, uh, January 7th was the, uh, the final date.
2: Mm, okay.
1: It was official as of January 7th. So let me uh, 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 indulge me uh, a little bit while I tell you about this story.
0: By all means. Uh,
1: we were uh, engaged, I don't know, a few years ago. It was, uh, would have been my uh, third marriage and her second. So, you know, we got a whole bunch of marriages between us. And um, uh, I, I didn't want to have an official, you know, state marriage. And my problem was I just assumed that people knew that. So um, yeah, uh, no invitations, pretty, pretty, uh, um, you know, casual. Uh, we had all of our friends and family uh, pretty much staying at our house. Uh, we redecorated the garage, and that was the wedding chapel, and, I had my uh, my best friend, my childhood friend uh, from California, mm. uh, is a, is a minister, a Methodist minister, and so um, uh, I asked him to uh, marry us. So uh, it all happened, and it was just a great time. Everybody was there, the whole family was there, all the friends, and uh, we had a. It was supposed to be on Saturday, the uh, the wedding on Saturday, and so on Friday we had the rehearsal. You know, stand there, you do that, you do that. Very, very casual. Nobody's uptight at all, you know, because we've done this so many times before. Right. <laughs> and so we got to the point in the rehearsal where uh, my friend Rick, the minister, said, okay, uh, Brian, this is where, uh, you know, we signed the, uh, the marriage license. And I just kind of laughed. And I said, he said, well, why are you laughing? No marriage license. We're not going to get a marriage license. This is this is between you know friends and family and you know whatever gods might be out there to bless this thing, right? And he says something totally surprised me, and this is when I realized that I didn't exactly tell him what I what I wanted. I just assumed. You know what they say about assume?
0: Yeah, I don't know why you would assume something like that. I can't imagine that most people would ever presume that uh, one would have a a, a non state wedding. That's that seems pretty unusual to me.
1: Well, I've known this guy since I was thirteen years old. Yeah, but yes, I, I, apparently he—I'm a little more. Uh, my, my, my freedom uh, quotient has been accelerating a little faster than he's been able to catch up to.
0: Well, he was living so, in California.
1: He was living in California. Well, and in California, they've got this big brouhaha over you know gay weddings, uh-huh. okay. you know, and 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 non you know standard one man one woman you know uh, kind of uh, sanctioned by God kind of BS, mm-hmm. and. Uh, He said that, uh, you don't have a marriage license? I said, no, we're not going to do that. That's why you're here. He said, well, I can't perform a marriage. I would lose my license, and I might lose my job if I did that. Oh, jeez. I said, said, what what do you mean? Well, you know, if there's not not a state marriage license, then I can't do it. The, The whole idea was that he can't perform gay marriages. That was what this church policy was trying to avoid, and of course the church is, you know, locked with the uh, with the state on these things because yeah. they they've got to get their you know get their benefits from the state. Yeah, they have to have that
3: tax free status.
1: That's right. And so uh, I, I said, well, come on, come on, Rick. You know, nobody has to know. He says, I I, I can't do it. You know, I, just, I, I I can't do it. Hmm. He doesn't want to risk his career. So it wasn't his fault. You know, it was the
0: powers that be. How would it? The, how would anyone ever find out? I mean, you're in Colorado, right? At that time, exactly. Right. I,
1: I guess what had happened is
0: that, is that at
1: that point, it was two two and a half years ago. I guess uh, at that point, the whole gay marriage thing was just exploding all over the place, and 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 it was everybody was just super hypersensitive about this. Mm. But, but but the idea being that if the state sanctions it, then it's okay. You know, one man, one woman kind of thing, then it's okay. Uh, one man, two women, you know, or any combination thereof, uh, other than one man, one woman, doesn't work. And, and he was just hypersensitive about that.
0: Hmm. So what ended up happening? Well, this was
1: Friday, a Friday afternoon. So Saturday, yeah, I got a house full of people, you know, and, and we're all going to have a marriage tomorrow. We're going to have a wedding. So what am I going to do? He says, well, you know, I can do a ceremony, but it won't be called a marriage. You know, I can't call it a marriage. I can call it a civil union. I can call it, you know, whatever you want. There you go. But... But, but Heidi, Heidi's dad is, a, is an ex-minister, and there are a whole bunch of people. You know, if I were to pull that on him, it, it, it just wouldn't—it wouldn't work. Okay. So I said, "Fine. We'll get the license. We'll take care of it later." Oh, jeez. So we, we, we drive on down to the, uh, the, the county courthouse and uh, pay the ten dollars, and in ten minutes we're out of there with his marriage license. So then we have the marriage. We have the wedding on Saturday. It was wonderful. A lot of dancing. A lot of drinking. Uh, she was absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, in her mother's uh, 50-year-old wedding gown.
3: That's how weddings it go. Took,
1: it took it took three bridesmaids, uh, a bunch of lubrication, and some crowbars to get her in there. But, uh, you know, she got in there. Well, She's going right. to kill me now.
0: Anyway, how long ago was this? Oh, two and a half years ago. All right, so when did you decide to get the divorce? The next day. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it,
1: wasn't, it wasn't a decide. I mean... And, you know, we're forced into this. My back is against the wall. We've got a house full of people. Right. And what are you going to do? So right. So I figured thinking we could take care of it later. You know, we've all been divorced a bunch of times. So, um, uh, you know, last uh, week got married, she was now a little cautious of it. She didn't want to get divorced, you know, because her first divorce was really nasty and a lot of hatred. I said, this is not a divorce between you and me. Right. There's it's free- a divorce
0: so- between you, her, and the state.
1: Exactly. There's too many people in bed here. <laughs> right. I don't want them here. Get I want rid of the third party. Yeah. That's right. Now, sometimes that might be fun, but in this case, not, not, not so much.
0: <laughs> I don't know about so,
2: that. <laughs> so we, uh, we,
1: uh, uh, you know, it, it took me a year to convince her because she had this, you know, traditional in Hollywood. I found my parents. I said, tell your parents, we're just fixing what went wrong in the first place. Yeah. So she finally she finally agreed, and, and, uh, and so we did it all. Now, this is a totally uncontested divorce. I mean, you go down, you file all the papers. It costs $10 to get the marriage license.
0: Uh, what's the divorce it, cost?
1: $290. <laughs> no lawyers. This is all just court. Court cut cases. Yeah. You know, court court fees. I was going to talk to a judge. Uh, you know, where, where, is, uh, where is the other party? You know, Heidi. I said, well, she's fine with this thing. I, I'm just, I'm representing her. You know I mean? it was just so much <laughs> BF to go through this stuff. Yeah, to fill out all these papers about all your financial stuff to make yeah. sure that one part doesn't get shafted over the other. I mean, the state just puts itself right in between there when mm-hmm. you run a divorce.
0: But you did it. They let you so do
1: again, it. We, they, they let us. They allowed us to do it. And now uh, we're much happier.
0: Really? You, yes. Well, you do feel that your happiness quotient has increased since getting rid of the state. That's good. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what what benefits? I mean, what tangible benefits does this bring to uh, to the relationship? Getting away from the the state control of uh, the situation.
1: Well, you know, Heidi is a little slower to come on. She's a little behind me on the whole freedom thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so she's not quite as happier as I am. Uh, (laughs) For her, you know, it's kind of a kind of a of a a black mark, or it was, and I'm I'm slowly trying to convince her that it's not. I mean, one thing that really helped her realize what the state was was when I got arrested for asking a cop a question in Tulsa.
0: Yeah, that that'll do it.
1: you guys about. That'll, yeah. that'll
0: bring it right home, no doubt about that.
1: Yep, that brought it right home, and she, she's coming along definitely uh, very well.
0: Well, fantastic, but, yeah. Brian.
1: Well, I, I do have one more one more point. Yeah. Do I have, have a minute?
0: You maybe go ahead. Uh,
1: uh, I um, I know you guys don't like uh, shout-outs, but I'm here in Tulsa on travel and. And she's in in the Colorado
4: here on the uh, oh, Valentine's Day. So cheesy. So
1: I, I i just I just wanted to say, uh, Heidi, will you marry me again?
0: <laughs> but for th- the real marriage this time, you're going to go through a, a different marriage process. You're going to go through the, the ceremony again.
1: Oh yeah, why not? maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it at Quark
0: that's a hell of an idea. Yeah, you absolutely should. That would be fantastic. Maybe Barry can marry you because uh, Barry Cooper, a former uh, former minister, right? Oh, yeah. Ian, you and Julia can join us. That'll be fun. Thanks for the call tonight, Brian. We appreciate it, <laughs> sir. 800 259 9231. This is Free Talk Live. <laughs> Free Talk Live, it is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line, it is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Plus, the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. Happening June 9th through the 15th at Pork you'll be able to learn how the Free State Project Early Movers are already making a difference, as well as tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own. Yeah, I have to say that I have not been on the Free State Project bus tour, uh, but one of them did come through Keene last year, and uh, they stopped by and spent a little time with them. And it was it, it was very odd.
3: I met them on uh, you know their trip through Keene, and I just happened to be walking down the street, and there's a bunch of you know people going,
0: Hey, Mark, yeah, well that's how it is here. You know, there's just it's not a big place so it's easy to spot people you know uh but but it seems to me that if you're going to tour around the state it would be a lot more fun to do it with the free staters on I'm, bus, I'm with you a bus full of free staters i think that's a cool idea or i think it was in this case it was a van full of free staters but either way good times at pork fest go and discover new freedoms new communities and new beginnings learn more at porkfest.com. that's p-o-r-c-f-e-s-t dot com
3: my school bus was a uh, van just really? Yeah, it was just a was little short, short Christian? van too. Uh, yeah, Christian it was, school? It was. There was there were only like six kids on it, and I, you know, was I lived way out in the country, and it was very, uh, you know, it wasn't there weren't very many kids that went that direction, so they just had a little tiny bus.
0: I didn't know that uh, with private schools that you got bus service. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, it was it was
3: wasn't a small um, private school. It was uh, you know six hundred students or something like that. So. I don't like short bus jokes.
0: 1-800-259-9231. That is the toll-free number. Uh, we continue here with an interesting story about, uh, let's see, FEMA. And we heard the rumors about this, or we heard, uh, I guess, a report on this, I don't know, over a year ago at this point, And I guess there are still, still people living in the FEMA trailers from Hurricane Katrina. Now, what's it been? Over two years now? Almost two and a half years since Hurricane Katrina? Was it two f- so actually, it was 2005. So, yeah, it would be two and a half years since Hurricane Katrina, and people are still sucking off the welfare teat. Now, according to the Associated Press, the government is recommending they might want to leave the trailers sometime soon because of the excessive formaldehyde. formaldehyde. U.S. health officials are urging that Gulf Coast hurricane victims be moved out of their government-issued trailers as quickly as possible after tests found toxic levels of formaldehyde fumes. Fumes from 519 trailer and mobile homes in Louisiana and Mississippi were on average about five times what people are exposed to in most modern homes. According to the CDC, in some trailers the levels were nearly 40 times customary exposure levels, raising fears that residents could contract respiratory problems. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, which supplied the trailers, should move people out quickly with priority given to families with children, elderly people, or anyone with asthma or other chronic conditions, said the CDC bureaucrat. He says, we don't want people exposed to this for very much longer. It's only been two and a half years so far. <laughs> While there are no federal safety standards for formaldehyde fumes in homes, the levels... How
3: are we alive if there's no um, federal <laughs> safety standards? How but- how are
0: we living well, apparently it's not too comfortable because the levels found in some of the trailers are high enough to cause burning eyes as well as breathing problems for people who have asthma and sense or are sensitive to air pollutants.
3: Apparently it's not bad enough that they actually have to go out and buy have their own place to live.
0: No, apparently not. No. CDC officials said the study didn't prove people became sick from the fumes but merely took a snapshot reading of fume levels. Only formaldehyde was tested, so who knows what other fumes there are in there. FEMA provided about 120,000 travel trailer, uh, trailers to the victims of the 2005 hurricanes Katrina and Rita. In 2006, some occupants began reporting headaches and nosebleeds. The complaints were linked to formaldehyde, a colorless gas with a pungent smell, used in the production of plywood and resins, commonly used. I wonder
3: if we uh, we the taxpayer are going to have to pay for uh, lawsuits that are going to result as a um from this.
0: Well, it's not very likely you can eff- effectively sue FEMA. Oh no. You know, Are sovereign you immunity me, and all that. Uh, you no, know, sovereign
3: immunity, nothing. Sovereign immunity uh, rep- applies to individuals. You can um, sue government agencies. Maybe it can be difficult, but in this case, there will be uh, uh, there's there's a large group of claimants. Yeah, that's true. And there Plus will be a, um, a lawyer who gets on that bandwagon and takes thirty three to forty percent of that and uh, becomes very very wealthy and never works again.
0: It says here, uh, they claimed that the uh, the trailers were up to standards. The FEMA officials last May dismissed the findings by the environmentalists that the trailers pose serious health risks. So it's one government bureaucracy saying, hey, these are dangerous, and the other ones are saying, no, no, uh, everything's fine. Well, according to this, by August, about 1,000 families in Louisiana asked FEMA to move them to other quarters. In November, lawyers for a group of hurricane <laughs> victims asked a federal judge to order FEMA to test for hazardous fumes. The CDC, working with FEMA, hired a contractor. That firm, Barrow Veritas, North America, tested air samples from 358 travel trailers. And, uh, let's see, the analysis came back last week. They found that average levels of 77 parts formaldehyde per billion parts of air significantly higher than the 10 to 17 parts per billion concentrations seen in newer homes. Levels were as high as 590 parts per billion the highest concentrations were in travel trailers which are smaller and more poorly ventilated uh, so there you go I mean, there's there's more to the story here but looks like the people that are accepting government welfare possibly might end up getting killed or in some way injured by the government
3: welfare itself well i you know fema's there to protect us and is apparently doing a very poor job this organization just stinks um yeah. I, we should just shut them down and tell people but mark what would it, what would happen in a disaster what, well, what apparently what, people wouldn't get formaldehyde poisoning in a disaster.
0: Well, not only that, but also we've seen just in all the instances where FEMA has trotted themselves out to come to the rescue, that all they've really done is prohibited people from actually rescuing. We've seen that they, uh, they're they very bureaucratic, they're very slow. They uh, There was one story, I remember specifically, the there were doctors that had arrived on the scene uh, where people were basically needing triage. And the doctors wanted to set to work, but FEMA said, whoa, whoa. You need to be certified. There's paperwork that needs to be filled <laughs> out here. We've got to put you through an eight-hour certification course before we can let you out to touch these dying people here on the tarmac.
3: I mean, that's basically what was going on. God knows we wouldn't want an uncertified doctor working on people during a disaster. Right,
0: and then, of course, uh, then there was the... I'll well- take
3: a veterinarian during a disaster.
0: Right, there was the well-reported stories about FEMA turning back the Walmart trucks... Trucks full of ice and water that Walmart and, and other companies had sent to the scene. FEMA just said, Nah, that's all right. Turn them around. We got We've it. We've got it under control, which they then proved they had it under control by sending, what was it, dozens of their tractor trailers full of ice to Maine, where they sat and idled <laughs> <Why>? for like... <laughs> Why did they go to Maine? Weeks. Weeks. I'm not sure. It, it really never was explained, and all of that money was just thrown down the, uh, the crapper. No so, surprise there. So now... Uh, It's just failure after failure. And, of course, what always happens in these cases when government botches it up and people's lives are on the line is usually the top bureaucrat. He bows out and says, I accept responsibility for what happened here. As though anybody knew who he was before he decided to accept responsibility, and as though him accepting so-called accepting responsibility will do anything at all to make anything better or somehow change the situation of the future, it never does. It just they get that they walk that one bureaucrat out, and then you know, there's a big pomp and circumstance and ceremony about, and now we're going to name Mark Edge our new high bureaucrat here in the FEMA trailer uh, park. That means that he's well, he's experienced. He's got this under control. Next time something happens, look to this leader. He's going to take care of it. And then, you know, something else will happen. Failures will occur. We'll replace one bureaucrat for another. Maybe they'll restructure the organization at that point and give them a higher budget for next time. Because yeah, more money means they'll, they'll save more lives, right? Right? 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. That's right. We should let the market handle disasters, too. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that's Uh, freetalklive.com. By the way, those features include the wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you Get editing. You can change pretty much anything on the wiki. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive for free. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com. And get 50% off of one item. That's AdamEve.com. Actually, you have to enter through AdamEve.com slash talk if you want to get that discount. Uh, plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off if you enter through AdamEve.com slash Talk. Well, Mark, you're, you're right. Uh, there are definitely some cases where people have sued the government agencies and gotten away with it. In fact, uh, we'll tell you about one in Colorado that has to do with their medical marijuana laws here in a moment. But first, we go unscreened to the amp line. Who's this?
5: Hi, this is Kurt from Michigan.
0: Kurt, what's on your mind tonight?
5: Uh, I actually would like to continue a discussion that we've had about, uh, law well, that's open up to all property.
0: Sorry, the discussion about what? All oh, property. Property. What about it?
5: Well, it it seems that in, in as you as you opine as how it, as to how it should be that there's a couple of different levels of property. Do um, tell. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, if if I were to say own a, a, uh, AV receiver, an audio video receiver that kept in the corner, let the let the the, the uh, uh, let the, the roof drip on, and uh, just basically neglected it. Mm-hmm. Could Would you be justified in coming and liberating that receiver from me if you could make better use of it? No. Well, then how come you might be able to come and kidnap my dog? Is that not property as well?
0: Uh, it certainly is property. I see where you're coming from. Uh, of course, it's a life form with with uh, that could be hurt and it could feel pain, so I think there's definitely a difference between those those uh sorts of property.
5: Well, but then again, I could go and liberate your cow that you're planning on killing too, though, at that particular juncture.
0: Yeah, he's gotcha. Uh, no, it's it's a good point. And as I said, uh, you know, uh, it would be interesting to see how the marketplace handled the cases like that. Uh certainly if you lived in an area where the vast majority of people and, and you know that were operating arbitration courts and that were interacting with one another happened to be animal rights activists, odds are good um, that they'd probably find for the people that liberated your cow. So well, you probably want to be careful to, who you live around.
5: If they happen to be A V enthusiasts is my is my <laughs> is my home theater gear safe? <laughs> okay, and okay I got another we we talked about intellectual property and you indicated that that uh as long as it was your it was your uh, in, you know, uh viewpoint that as long as we could come up with a free market solution for intellectual property and it did not include coercion, mm-hmm. that you would be okay with it
2: probably yeah
5: can I can I protect my real property with coercion? like if you're on my property and refuse to leave, can I coerce you into leaving?
0: Yes. I think so, yeah, I mean certainly.
5: Why could I not protect my intellectual property with the same vigor?
0: Uh, because you aren't there. It's not actually your property in that uh, it's just an idea. The uh, you know the concept behind intellectual property is that government gives you a monopoly privilege to own and control the ideas that you come I've, up with.
5: I've homesteaded that idea though. I've taken I've taken my natural resources and mixed them with my with my real resources. In, in, in something that has yet to have been used before, so I've homesteaded that idea.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so again... Just
5: like, I, just like homesteading a piece of property, I can protect incursion on that property.
0: No, but you with, you can't protect people from, uh, if, for instance, if somebody else comes up with that same idea across the country from you, uh, how dare you suggest that it's your idea and not theirs? If they can
5: if they can demonstrate they did it independently of mine, that's fine. Well,
2: but that's
0: if not I how our show, patent laws I
5: could work. Show that, if I can show that two days before their drawing, they bought one of my products, a little bit different story, isn't it?
0: So you want to put somebody in a jail cell for borrowing your ideas? Is that what you'd no, like?
5: No, 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 no. Not a jail cell. I'd like them to to remunerate me. You just want to, to make, take their to money make from me whole? whole. Well, yeah. I mean the same. But thing you as haven't as they been you. But, but you haven't
0: lost anything. You haven't. you aren't unwhole.
5: What, what do you mean?
0: Well, them using your idea to build something out of or to create something of their own, uh, you haven't lost anything. You still have your idea. You can I've copy ideas infinitely. I've
5: lost the update for those sales. And, and you know, I mean, it's just as you if... You weren't guaranteed the sales if, in the first place. It's, well, it's just as if, if they came and dragged a tree off of my property and said, well, the tree is no longer on your property... You haven't
0: lost anything. No, no, the tree is finite. The tree is scarce. So once you take the tree away from the property, then you don't have the tree anymore. But if someone borrows, you know, takes your idea, you still have your idea. Ideas aren't scarce. They can be copied endlessly. So you're dealing with two completely different types of uh, concepts there.
5: Hmm. Well, again, I I, I will always – I will always – you know, uh, advocate intellectual property, not necessarily government backing it up, but those people that have ideas are the most useful part of our society, and to allow them to be the only ones to not profit from what they do, I think would curtail. Nobody the said idea. you wouldn't
0: be able to profit, Kurt. Nobody said that at all. No, no, if you've that's... got a good idea, you'll profit. In fact, uh, there's been a lot of research that's been done that shows that, in fact, a lack of so-called intellectual property protection actually encourages more innovation. Because if, for instance, you want to use somebody else's idea, you don't have to go and beg them for permission or uh, or pay them their extortion fee in order to use their idea. In many cases, if you want to combine different people's ideas together, you'd have to get all of their. Permission You have to pay every single one of them, and that might actually raise the cost of doing uh, the research and development beyond what you could possibly afford to do. And so really, this this prohibits people from creating things.
5: But if I did have a great idea, and knowing that it's going to cost me X amount of money to develop... And then to know that somebody else will be able to undercut me because they didn't have to pay that development money, I'm not incentivized to develop it.
3: Kurt, I, I agree with you on this point to some extent. And, um, Michael, my, my, what I want to do is I want to uh, find out how much you agree with our current, uh, uh, intellectual property laws. Now, when it comes to patents, um, you had just previously said, um, it doesn't matter at all, um, how I came to the same conclusion you did as far as you know creating a product i mean there's a patent currently on the uh, crustless peanut butter and jelly sandwich um you know it, it doesn't matter at this point uh, you know if, if you and i have the same product and you came up with it first bam it's yours not mine so um i could have done all this work and everything and come up come up with it on my own from a unique from unique source but uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter what do you think about that
5: well, see, I don't know if that is the case. I'm I believe telling you that it is. If, I believe that if you can prove that you came up with it independently, I think the law recognizes that two people can have the same idea.
3: That's a copyright. Um, under copyright, you're you're correct. You and I could write the same book, um, but it's not true with patents. Um, secondly, now copyright law has been uh, a little screwed with by uh, those with enough money and power to uh, screw with it. You, you know when they uh, flash that little FBI warning when you watch a movie? that FBI warning says you can get up to 10 years in prison for uh selling and distributing uh the product and even showing it they say but you know it's really selling and distribution um somehow they've taken copyright and turned it from a civil issue into a criminal issue what do you think about that
5: well i i again it, it, to me that would be that wouldn't be a crime against the state, as much as it would be a, a crime against the owner of that property.
3: So you think that uh, people with money and power have taken uh, intellectual property laws and uh, bent them to their uh, th- their will?
5: Well, they've done that with every law, haven't they? Yeah, yeah
3: not, that's true. Not th- not the uh, murder laws and and you know the the ones where real people well, really are hurt. <laughs>
0: Ask OJ if he's in prison. Well, he
3: didn't bend the laws. He managed to circumvent the system. You know, Matt, one other
0: thing, too, that as as an inventor, going back on your point before, uh, if you want to invent something and there's no government intellectual property protections out there, it lowers the cost of uh, entering into the marketplace because you don't have to go through the patenting process and hiring all the lawyers and paying whatever fees are, are uh, involved in that. Uh, plus, just because you don't have the courage to go out into the marketplace and market your product and pay whatever money that costs, that's okay because as the inventor, you aren't expected to be a marketer either. That's where the other companies come into play, the ones that are willing to put the the money up front and take that risk, and thank goodness for them because if it weren't for companies taking risks like that with their money, we'd have nothing. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us. Head over to Amazon.freetalklive.com, and when you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whether it's a uh, new item or used item that you're purchasing, it doesn't matter. Free Talk Live gets a cut if you enter through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Now, I mentioned that you are right, Mark, that government agencies can be sued. It's suing the individual government bureaucrats. It's more difficult. In fact, in Colorado, according to the Washington Post, Policing marijuana is about to get a lot more complicated. The the kick-in-the-door raids that SWAT teams have long employed could now cost cities hundreds of thousands of dollars, which actually means the taxpayers would be paying those hundreds of thousands of dollars, following two landmark court decisions upholding the state's constitutional protection of medical marijuana. Under the rulings... This is very upsetting to the police departments. I bet it is. Uh, Police departments are required to return any marijuana and even paraphernalia taken from state sanctioned growers and can be sued by those growers if the crops aren't preserved. So if the cops go in and bust into somebody's house and steal all their marijuana.
3: How if, in the world could they preserve the, the those crops? I yeah. mean, that's, that is that is not the sort of organization that they run. No, absolutely not. And, and not the way they do their raids.
0: Yeah, so if they don't go and take all those plants and plant them again right away to keep them alive, well, they get sued. Probably in pots. Right, and they, and they get sued, they're going to be paying out. The taxpayers will. Uh, but that will hurt their budget, I think, and they probably won't like that. The largest case thus far involves Kevin Dickies, who who intends to sue the Denver suburb of Aurora for over $360,000 in pot damages. It comes less than a month after a judge ordered the return of an estimated $200,000 of medical marijuana to a couple in Fort Collins. Dix, a 38-year-old Desert Shield Marine who suffers from debilitating pain after catching grenade shrapnel in the Gulf, says he was treated worse by Colorado police than by anyone in Iraq. In April of 2007, officers raided his home after receiving a tip from a neighbor. And according to his lawyer, Robert Corey, he threw the disabled veteran to the ground—or not he, but the cops threw the disabled veteran to the ground and held him at gunpoint. Then they ransacked his home. That's how they do it. Yep, they found 71 marijuana plants and at least 65 of which they confiscated illegally. And they charged Dickies, or Dicks, rather, with felony cultivation. After eight months of legal wrangling, the Arapahoe County District Attorney dismissed the charges, determining that Dicks was, in fact, a certified grower. But by then, his plants were long dead. Sure. Thanks to a referendum passed in 2000, the Colorado State Constitution stipulates that any property used in connection with the medical use of marijuana shall not be harmed, neglected, injured, or destroyed while in the possession of state or local law enforcement officials. Not being equipped with the grow room or know how to maintain them, Aurora Police simply uprooted the plants and threw them in the evidence room. Detective Shannon Lucy, an Aurora Police spokes bureaucrat, illustrated her department's cultivation ignorance, explaining they kept only the leaves, which she claimed were the only things of value. Well, then that just goes to show how little they know. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's the flowers. That the police... (laughs) that there's supposed to be these experts when it comes to the drugs in the, in America right you well, just the leaves. right they don't even know that it's the buds that are the you know the real home for the active ingredient THC that's where the fla- you call them flowers the marijuana they're also called buds uh, i guess i understand the reason why they might think that because whenever you see marijuana it's always represented by its leaf right the most the the, the easiest it's to familiar. identify yeah. portion of the plant is the leaf So after obtaining a court order, uh, Mr. Dix attempted to pick up his property recently from the Aurora Police Department. According to Corey, though, what the police returned was dry and useless. Of the 71 plants, only an estimated three ounces remained, none of which were usable from a medical perspective. He compared the incident to the police uh, seizing a person's car when they believed it was stolen, smashing the windows, pouring sugar in the gas tank, and then returning it. After discovering it wasn't stolen after all. Applying this general principle of law, it seems natural to seek compensation and using the DEA standards for marijuana valuation, which is really high, by the way. The DEA claims that marijuana plant's worth $5,000 a plant. Yeah. Not so much.
3: I don't know where you're going to get that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Most marijuana plants aren't going to yield much more than a few ounces of bud. I mean, unless you're growing a six-foot-tall plant. Right.
3: They probably, you know, that's probably where they got their information from, is that a plant can pr- uh, produce yeah. as much as yeah. $5,000 worth of marijuana. So then they somebody said, okay, then plants produce $5,000 worth of marijuana, and bang, every plant produces $5,000 worth of marijuana, you according to I, this police department.
0: I love this, bar, by the way, Mark, because normally when the police, bu- and it's not just the DEA, whenever the police departments bust up a marijuana grow-up, and they snatch all the plants, they always use those numbers. They always use the DEA's valuations, and they'll claim that, you know, oh, we seized a million dollars worth of marijuana today, even if it was only $100,000 worth. Mm -hmm. They always use the high numbers. So now, when this grower files his lawsuit for looking for $369,000 in lost medicine, what's the police chief say? He calls that some absurd. (laughs) (laughs) That's a crazy number. Yeah. Uh, and the police chief then disputed the quantity of marijuana seized. He claims that at no point during the raid did Dix inform police that he had a permit, although he also admitted that officers didn't ask if he had one. Right, they just had
3: him on the ground face first with
0: a gun pulled to his head. Right, you think that these cops that are, you know, they they've got their black... Uh, Kevlar on and their machine guns and they're all hyped up. You think if this guy says, hey guys, wait, 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 I've got a permit, that they're all of a sudden going to stop and say, oh, well, show us. Okay. We're just oh, going to turn sorry around about and that. head on out of here. Excuse us, Mr. Dix. It was only after Dix was removed from the scene that the permit was found. Frustrated by the negative press over the incident, Chief Oates stressed to the uh, article writer that the police immediately stopped their search when the permit was located and got on the phone with a senior prosecutor who instructed them to leave six plants and all the grow equipment. Nonetheless, Dix was held and charged even after the permit was uncovered. Why'd you charge him if you knew he was legal? Despite the district attorney's dismissal and subsequent court order for return of the marijuana, Oates believes his officers acted correctly. Of course they finds, did. finds the idea of compensating... When has a
3: police chief ever said that his officers didn't act correctly?
0: Well, in this case, he thinks that compensating medical marijuana growers is absurd. It's his favorite word. And while refusing to give examples on the record, he further asserted that the current process for medical marijuana you know, certification... this is
3: what... it doesn't make any sense. Medical marijuana is legal in that state. Of mm-hmm. course one's property should be protected. The cops can't go, just go in and, and trash whatever they want to trash and break things in your house and... Uh, he's saying they should be able kill to. Kill your plants? That's what he's saying. Of yeah. course he is.
0: He says, this is his quote, he says that uh, the current process for medical marijuana certification could easily be abused by people who want to grow it illegally. If compensation becomes the the status quo, he argued, it's going to place more and more departments in a dilemma that conflicts state and federal law. Look, there's no dilemma here, Officer Scumbag. All you have to do is just stop enforcing marijuana law altogether. And then there's no more dilemma. There's no more questioning. Well, does this guy have a permit? Does he not have a permit? Is he legal? Is he illegal? You know, this is the problem when it comes to these medical marijuana laws, is it puts the police in this sort of limbo land where they don't know what to do, because their job is to follow the law. Well, and now no, the it law is confusing it, I, them.
3: I see what you're saying, but it doesn't put them in limbo any more than cigarette licenses, um, you know, cigarette purveyor licenses put the, the police in limbo. Um, you know, the people that are Selling cigarettes have a license to sell them. The people that, uh, you know, if somebody's selling them without a license, then the cops are there to uh, shut them down. That's what they're supposed to do according to the laws that the um, the way they are. So I don't understand why cops are so confused. This guy had a license to grow. You you go after the people that don't have a license to grow. You don't go after the ones that do. This is not complicated. Medical well, they, but they make it seem What's like complicated, complicated. Is that they just hate marijuana? they you know they they've been inundated with that they've been taught to do you know to to hate marijuana and and they
0: do medical marijuana advocates disagree with the police chief saying the Colorado police are charged with upholding Colorado law and not federal law he's just saying the law's inconvenient says Corey, who also points out that oxycontin laws can be abused but that it is still a medicine that's legally prescribed to patients Colorado voters decided in 2000 to protect patients who use marijuana as medicine, not those who use it recreationally. He says, police take an oath to protect the law. You don't get to pick and choose which laws to follow. But they do. They have been. And this is really the first significant time in Colorado and maybe across the country. I think they've had a tough time in in California, too. But this is one of the, the few significant times where the police have actually been rebuffed in their efforts to continue enforcing laws that don't exist anymore. Dick's plans on filing his suit later this month, uh, if he wins, it will be in the single biggest payout for the illegal seizure of marijuana and may open the door for other cash-strapped cities to be sued for tactics which elsewhere are a common part of drug enforcement. Whether such a historic payback will motivate police to change their policies for raiding grow houses or motivate Colorado citizens to re-examine their constitution remains to be seen. For now, though, it appears that Centennial State Constitution is a pot farmer's best bud. So, a little bit of good news there coming out of Colorado with the medical marijuana situation and uh you know there's a good there's a bit of good news from time to time. We'd like to try to bring it to you when it's out there, Of course, most of the news in the war on drugs is awful with hundreds of thousands actually over one point five million of our friends and family members still being arrested every single year for possession of various different types of so-called illegal narcotics.
3: Yeah, in this case, the good news points out all the bad news.
0: More on the way. Hour 2 is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. Arizona seeing the immigrants leave. Why do you think that's happening? Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch... In an hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Let's go right into your calls. It's Patrick in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Patrick.
6: Hey, how are you guys doing? Great. Good. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, Actually, uh, more good news about decriminalization of marijuana in oh. Vermont. Yeah. They uh, just passed a bill in uh, the Senate. Yeah, I got that one. To um, I'm sorry.
0: They did what now?
6: Uh, they decriminalized from uh, going to jail for up to six months to just a fine and no criminal criminal criminal. Record.
3: criminal.
0: <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> I'm
6: sorry, I'm nervous.
0: Now, no problem. Now, as I understand it, practice, you'll be fine. That's just the Vermont Senate, so it still has to go to the Vermont House and to the governor, so it has not yet become. But it's made law. it through the House previously. Is that not has correct? It? I, I don't I'm know. not
6: positive. I actually found this out through Facebook.
0: Ah, okay. I have it. Crazy. I have it here uh, from, I believe, the association Actually, no. WPTZ.com. It says that. Yeah, it's on to the Vermont House, and it doesn't say for sure whether or not they've passed this before. But, but we all know that the Vermont uh, has been a, you know, it's a relatively marijuana-friendly state. So odds are, I would say odds are pretty positive on this. In fact, we've actually had some positive news here in New Hampshire as well. Mark, uh, you might recall that we talked. Recently, about uh, the there's a bill here that's going to decriminalize marijuana from two thousand a two thousand dollar fine and an arrestable offense to a two hundred dollar fine if you've got a I think it's a one point two five ounces or less of yeah, marijuana. Yeah, this one's for one ounce. Right, so we're seeing some progress here. The uh, the committee that was supposed to hear that in New Hampshire has gone ahead and passed that four to one. Now the interesting part was the one guy that voted against it was supposed to vote for it. It's the same jerk that we talked about before on this show who is who actually accused one of our co-hosts of, uh, or suggested that one of our co-hosts turn into a snitch for the government. Uh, so this guy's just a low-life scumbag, and uh, he needs to be replaced. And well, he's
3: completely indoctrinated. I mean, he was previously a yeah. probation officer. Yeah, that's I mean, he true. Just, he, He's just indoctrinated.
0: Hey, Patrick, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate yep. you bringing that up. Uh, it's good to always hear a little bit more good news on the uh, the marijuana relegalization legalization front. Uh, but, you know, these are just baby steps anyway. Nobody's really doing anything serious to change. Well,
3: baby steps is what it takes. I mean, uh, that's how we got there, and that's how we'll. It it seems that seems to me to me the nonviolent way
0: to get back. Well, I think another way that uh, that we could get back is by doing a little marijuana civil disobedience, which I uh, would like to eventually see here in New Hampshire with the Free State Project activists and the local activists as well. That would be fun. Anyway, 800-259-9231. Also going on in Vermont, related story. Uh, the Vermont House of Representatives, the House in this case, gave overwhelming final approval to a bill which sets up procedures for farmers to begin growing hemp. Now, that's good news, but the bad news is... That like the, uh, you know, wimpy bureaucrats in every state, its provisions hinge on a policy reversal from the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, which has banned domestic hemp production since World War II. Um, the article goes on to talk about hemp and how beneficial it is, and and we know that on this show, and it, it, it is. It's an amazing plant that is easily renewable. It's a weed, after all, so it grows back pretty quick. But... Uh, but basically, Vermont the, is saying almost here,
3: all the complaints that they, people have about recycling and all that stuff could be you know could be handled by hemp
0: yeah, basically what they 're saying here though is that they they're putting the plan in place to have legal hemp farming in Vermont, but they can 't actually do anything until the DEA lets it happen
3: right They, they have the licenses and they don 't give them out
0: right, so as long as uh, all these state government people continue to cower in fear of the federal government. No one will really be able to advance freedom in any significant fashion in their uh, in their state, at least in regards to the, the drug laws. So okay. I wish, I wish that somebody, uh, some state, hopefully it'll happen here in New Hampshire, some of these state government people will finally have the courage to just say no to federal regulation and say, fine, keep your damn bribe money. That's because that's what they do. The feds say, "Well, if you change your laws," I don't think
3: in this case. I think we're talking about in, in, um, you know interstate trade or something like that is what it's about.
0: Well, no. What ha- what usually happens is the feds will will threaten to pull the money that they're sending for mm-hmm. various different programs for the highway fund and for the you know the drug enforcement efforts. They'll say, "Well, we're not going to give you money anymore if you pass those laws." And of course, the bureaucrats freak out, and the bureaucrats are a pretty uh, influential lobby when it comes to the elected representatives, which I think is sad. Usually, these elective representatives will say, "Well, I take what these bureaucrats say very seriously." I saw an interview with one yeah. of them recently, uh, where they're,
3: right, they're, it's not like they're experts or anything. Why are you taking them seriously? Right. They
0: give more weight to the bureaucrats than they do the, uh, the expert the, testimony that comes in. Right. Well, then they do the uh, the people who actually take the time out of their their work day to come and testify at the right. state house. The
3: citizens, which will be you know th- th- that are subject to these wonderful laws that you're. Uh, forcing on and all
0: and of. the citizens who aren't getting paid to be there, whereas the bureaucrats are on the clock, right. Whenever you see somebody earning their paychecks, yeah, whenever you see a bureaucrat testifying at us at the state house, ninety nine percent of the time he's on the clock. The one exception at least up here was Bradley Jardis, the law enforcement against prohibition member, who did take his own time to show up because obviously his department's not going to pay him to go and talk against the war on drugs. So anyway, Things are sort of slowly moving in the right direction, but we really need to accelerate the process. And I think civil disobedience could go a long way towards uh, towards making that happen. If people got together in the same place and uh, you know smoked some marijuana in public i think it would show that responsible members of society are still the same people after they've smoked a marijuana cigarette and you know anarchy doesn't break out in the streets fires don't start everywhere and the sky doesn't fall i think it would it would go a long way to showing people that regular folks use marijuana safely and they shouldn't be put in jail cells for it
3: i don't know i uh... The, the whole idea of uh, you know subjecting myself to getting put in jail doesn't uh, doesn't really do much for me. Obviously,
0: civil disobedience is only for, not for the faint of heart. Right, for certain people. And you know, what I'd really like to see someday, Mark, is I'd like to see a combo civil disobedience. I was thinking about this recently. We should have we should have a topless marijuana open container. What was the other one? Top. Oh, gambling. So should have people sitting around at a gambling table, like a riot. couple of ladies with no tops on, uh, some open beers, and a marijuana cigarette going around. Now, how would that, now that, talk about getting some news coverage.
3: I, no doubt. <laughs> I don't know what they'd say in this news coverage, but no doubt you'd get some news coverage.
0: 1-800-259-9231. Society's crumbling around us. People are gambling in the streets. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Michael in Washington. Michael, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
4: Good evening, guys, and uh, everybody else out there.
0: What's on your Um, mind tonight?
4: A couple of things. Um, First, you're talking about civil disobedience. Yeah. Um, I just got done reading an article in Wired about um, how people brought down the the Berlin Wall. They Hmm. started with um, 20,000 people, and then it, like, blossomed a couple of days into, like, half a million people. Wow. So that's... You know, you have to start at some place, right? So you're
0: saying it spreads. So that there's a there's a core group of people that will take the risk, and they'll start doing it, and then other people uh, other people will join in once they see that the path is relatively clear or safe.
4: Indeed, indeed, which is which is kind of the reason that I was at um, our local high school last Saturday um, in Washington State. The Republicans held. The uh, caucusing process at the precinct level, right? And um, so, for the very first time, I walk in and I—I I am now a precinct delegate for the Republican convention in uh, Washington.
0: Great, and you're planning on voting for Ron Paul? I take it.
4: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for the call tonight. Which? I do do pre- which
4: huh? you well, you know, I mean, it's honestly, I get this phone call on um, Thursday before. Um, woman from the Ron Paul campaign, she goes, you know, your name's on our list, your phone number is there, and um, our understanding is nobody from your precinct's going. So take hmm. takes the time.
3: Will you get all the votes then, or just? Uh...
4: No, there's, there's two precinct votes. I get one of the two, and the other one, you know, I guess just makes my vote stronger because they don't count it.
0: That's a good point, because the, the other vote's not going to anybody else. So that's a good that's a good Correct. thing. Very good, sir. Unless, good luck with that. Unless,
4: hmm. unless this person that is called the precinct chairperson, the, the one person at the event in a suit, um, decides differently. Got it. I don't know. You know, kind of out of my hand.
0: Michael, good luck with that. Thanks for the call tonight, sir. 800-259-9231. More on the way. Zebulon's on the line. He wants to talk about marijuana. Plus, on the way, 82 people have died—youths, young people—from uh, the choking game. What is the choking game? Now, if you're an old-school listener to Free Talk Live, you've probably heard about this. If you're a younger listener, you probably know about it. People are dying from this. Why are people doing this? What's it all about? We'll talk about it coming up here in moments. This is your show. You can take control. It is Free Talk Live. <laughs> Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. Prove they listened to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com.
3: The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Ron Paul is a founding member of the RLC, and I'm a member, too. Visit RLC.org and click Join Us today. We'll find liberty together. That's
0: RLC.org. Continuing with your phone calls, let's go to Zebulon in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. Zebulon.
7: Hello. Hey, what's Um, what's on your mind? Anyway, uh, just about the conspiracy that keeps marijuana illegal.
0: Okay. I mean.
7: We know that it uh, it helps cure breast cancer and all these different kinds of cancer and everything else, and it helps with all these different ailments.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: But uh, why is it that our politicians do nothing about it?
0: It's a great question, because, I mean, you, you would think politicians tend to follow trends. Uh, politicians, well, like, they, they're known for running out in front of parades and pretending like they've been there the whole time. Uh, and it, there are significant... A significant supermajority of Americans believe that marijuana should be available for medical purposes, and a decent amount of Americans believe it should be decriminalized. Uh, so you would think the politicians would be uh, Johnny on the spot there, but they aren't.
3: Well, um, police unions are, are a powerful endorsement uh, yeah. for a politician in many, many towns and states. Um, also, the, and, and the police union isn't for it. That's You can believe that. Right, their budget would get cut. And, uh, you know, most, uh, if, if I'm going to make a generalization, the generalization is pot, sm- pot smokers don't vote.
7: Well, I, I disagree with you. I play. Uh, with that generalization? Fest, well, that pot smokers don't vote.
3: Yeah. I believe that they no, vote. No, no, no I, I'm, I'm not making a blanket statement. I, I caveated it several times with the word generalization.
7: Yeah, well, I mean, I've been going around the country speaking at different hemp fest events.
3: Okay. Mm
0: hmm
7: and stuff, and there's hundreds of thousands of people that show up. Oh, yeah, there's a, sure difference.
0: there's a difference between going to a hemp fest, hanging around, smoking a little bit of weed, listening to some music get played, versus actually going out and participating in uh, civil disobedience or voting and doing something that can actually affect change. Uh, the, the fact well, is, I've known plenty of marijuana smokers, and I have to back up what Mark says. Uh, generally, they do not participate. They talk a good game about wanting change, but they don't actually do anything to make it happen.
7: I got gotcha. you. Well, I don't know, man. There's a lot of us doing a lot of stuff to make change. I mean,
3: yeah, it's just Jack There's a lot of us who are, uh, you know, supporting Ron Paul. A whole bunch of people supporting Ron Paul. Friend, I heard Ron
7: Paul was out of the race.
3: Nope, he's not out of the race. No, no, he's still. Oh, out. really? Not, not, no, I mean he's refocusing right now on his uh, state election
0: Ron Paul has said that he will stay in the presidential race As long as people continue to send him money And continue to support the campaign So I don't expect that support's going to dry up anytime soon Which means Ron Paul probably in, uh, will be in it as long as possible So any other thoughts on why you think That uh, the the politicians just aren't doing anything To re-legalize marijuana? Zebulon He's gone. He's gone. 800 I think you're absolutely right, Mark, uh, because when I was at the marijuana hearing here in New Hampshire mm-hmm. and the police chief got up and said his spiel and the whole room was packed full of free staters and yeah. uh, New Hampshire activists that are also uh, you know, very keen on this particular issue. And Well, I went last year. I didn't go this year, um, but I went last
3: year. I don't smoke pot. Look, how many pot smokers are in New Hampshire? There's 1.2
0: million people here. One out of ten, at least admit to it.
3: One out of ten, call it uh, probably twice that many uh, in reality, Mm -hmm. maybe even more. Uh, Where were they? Where were they? Probably working. Yeah, working. uh, They probably didn't know about it. And why? Because they're not active. There you go. It's right. uh, you know you get the government that that you you deserve. But that's deserve, how it is with everything,
0: though, Mark. I mean, th- think about it. Uh, the the gun control bill that came up, it turned out a number of people to, to fill a room in the New Hampshire State House. But I can tell you, every gun owner in New Hampshire was not there backing up that you know was not there to fight that particular bill. It's just that way with most people on most things. Sure. They just they're busy well, with their with own the gun, lives. With the
3: gun control issue, um, I can I can make the statement that no one's getting few people are getting hurt by the current gun law. So therefore, the gun, um, you know, the gun law, uh, you know, the, the gun, the people that that are in support of guns, um, they don't have as much reason to come out. Yeah, but Whereas a bunch of people did. The, there's a bunch of people, a, a few people.
0: did More people came out for the, the, the what the legislation I'm talking about, 200? the proposal. The, I don't know how many it was. I wasn't there. Uh, But more people came out enough to fill the first room, so they had to move to a bigger room, basically, which is what they had to do with the marijuana thing last year. This year there weren't as many marijuana people that came out, which was interesting because this year the bill was less significant. Last year it was like a total decriminalization. This year it was only partial decrim, so less people were interested because the bill wasn't as powerful. Powerful. So, again, it's just getting anybody to participate in making change is very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but back to what I was going to say is the, um, the politician, there was a politician that Dave Ridley interviewed at RidleyReport.com about the marijuana relegalization legalization issue, and he basically said, whatever the police chief say is what I'll do. So he pretty much just laid it right out there. Look, you little people, I don't care what you think. I don't care how many people are getting arrested. I don't care how much damage is being done. With this war on drugs, I don't care about the facts. I don't care about the the information that you've presented to me. I don't care about how you feel. All I care care about about is what the police chief says. Mm -hmm. And, And the police chief is always going to say... Keep this war on drugs going. We need to stop this the scourge of drugs from entering American neighborhoods as though they'll actually ever be able to stop drugs. Right. We all know that they I mean, won't be had, able they've to. They've had 40 years to do it now. How have they done? They're such a bunch of liars, too, Mark. They know it. They know they can't defeat drugs, but they don't want their budget to dry up. They don't want that money to go away. Not only do they not want the budget to go to dry up, but they also don't want the money they can get from extracting it from the drug dealers. They don't want the asset forfeiture laws to go away. They like being able to pull somebody over, find a joint in their car, and take the car from them. Yeah, they like that. That you know, get makes them feel good. Public servants. They like power. You know, they're into that sort of thing. So all that money would go away. All those cars and houses and other asset co- uh, confiscation cash, all of it would go away. Not to mention the. Wonderful black market opportunity to actually sell the drugs you confiscate. Now, mm. I'm not saying all of the police chiefs are selling drugs. But some of the, but, but, but
3: police are out there selling drugs. We right. have story after story of it happening. So, right. I mean, it, it happens.
0: So the, these, these guys are the most dishonest scumbags I've ever come across. I'd have to say and drug dealers are more honest than these chiefs of police. You
3: know, they catch, if they catch one of their cops uh, smoking pot, it's not like he's going to get fired. He's yeah, going right? to get reprimanded. Mm-hmm. But that's, he's not going to get fired. So they don't have the same sort of, uh, they don't apply the law uh,
0: equally. one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 Continuing here with your calls, it's Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Jeremy, what's on your mind?
8: Well, to me, um, it's another big
1: conspiracy. One thing, uh, other than one one of the reasons, well, first, one of the reasons the politicians, I think, won't go along with um, the
4: re-legalization of... Um, hemp production is because it's a big oil it's a big oil con- I mean they, it could compete with oil
0: for mm-hmm. one big I think oil. the number one reason is they're ignorant Jeremy I think that they believe that hemp is marijuana and that uh, if you re-legalize hemp then just around the corner we'll re-legalize marijuana and that'll make them look bad to their law and order constituents and they're just, you know, they're just a bunch of cowards too and it's just never going to change certainly there's a conspiracy aspect to it I don't think they're all involved
3: it's going to change. The, uh, the attitude of the politicians may not change, but you can believe the marijuana well, we'll will bring some,
0: We'll bring some new politicians in. Uh, at least, hopefully, they'll be free staters. Jeremy, thanks for the call. More on the way. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system. Over 300,000 posts. Get interactive with us and our listeners. All there completely free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com.
3: How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Well, you can. Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to FTLDiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's FTLDiscount.com.
0: 800-259-9231. Uh, continuing here with your calls, Kevin in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Kevin.
6: Good evening, gentlemen.
0: Hey, what's on it's your mind?
6: nine below and a little cold outside. Good Lord. Burr. Happy uh, Love Day.
0: That makes uh, New Hampshire seem like tropical in comparison. Yeah, come and check this out.
6: Well, the reason why I'm calling is, of course, anytime you bring up the cannabis issue, I'm always on the phone instantly. And uh, a little plug for my nonprofit is called Cannabis Resolution, CannabisResolution.com. All right, you
0: can't do that every time you call, but go Mm. ahead.
6: Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. If
0: you want to advertise, Mark is uh, the person you should get in touch (laughs) with.
6: Okay, we'll do that. And uh, Mark, have you guys had your baby yet?
3: Um, no, it's still uh, still, still waiting. It's supposed to be okay. the end of the month. I really li- I'd really like it to happen in two days.
6: Yeah, <laughs> so would your wife, I bet, or mm-hmm. partner. But the reason uh, I'm calling is my, my biggest challenge that I always get is, is I go to the music festivals and I set up booths and I, and I try to educate people about it, and I hate the whole hemp marijuana back and forth thing because it's from a beautiful plant called cannabis. Mm-hmm. But I talk to these people that are like personal growers and they're like, they're constantly, I would never ever want it legalized because then I can't make a buck.
0: Really? Yeah. And really? it's so
6: frustrating because it's like, I used to joke, and and I don't smoke either. I haven't smoked for over, geez, like six years now. Mm-hmm. And I used to joke that if they would just legalize the industrial cannabis, I would give up smoking because the the outcome of just the industrial uh, products that can be made from this plant way over overshadow the whole, you know, the euphoric high and stuff like that. I never said I'd stop eating it, mm-hmm. but I said I would stop smoking it.
0: You know, it's really but, sad that that what you're saying here is that the people that are actually involved in growing marijuana today that even though they're risking being thrown in a jail cell for 10, 15 years, in many cases sometimes longer, uh, because usually it's the growing charge that is the most serious. You can could, you could have hundreds of pounds of marijuana, and a few pl- if you just have a few plants, the growing charge will probably get you more than the actual distribution charge as well. So the idea that these people are out there risking their butts every single day, they're willing to continue risking it just so they can continue making their black market profits. It's just amazing to me,
6: and and not only that, but then they even get into the whole oil game where they will control and the supply and demand, where they'll you know because usually I find out that a lot of the growers know each other, and then they'll be like, okay, let's you know let's not coordinate, let's coordinate our growing season, and so when it's dry, then they're all sitting back, and then when all of a sudden it's all in plethora. Then they jack up the prices again.
0: Hmm. Well, I don't know how much of that goes on. Uh, from from my experience, only some people know others uh, in the, uh, the marijuana trade. Uh, the growers are pretty isolated. If you're a, a marijuana grower and you're telling people that, you aren't going to stay a marijuana grower for very long. I mean, if you're growing marijuana and you tell more than one person... You're at risk from having your house raided, not by the police, but by a competitor. Uh, You're at at the risk of being robbed. So if, if you're a marijuana grower worth his salt, then you aren't telling anybody about it. If you're just somebody growing a few plants in his closet, well, then, you know, you're probably blabbing your mouth to all your friends. And I've actually had friends who were growing a few plants in their closet, had them getting stolen from them because they told too many people about it. Yeah.
6: Well, I was I was talking about some of these old school growers where they 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 will actually have parties together and they'll bring out their best samples and they'll trade amongst each other and mm, stuff. Wow. But another thing I wanted to bring up is one thing that we really need to try to stay away with is that if you're a smoker, that's fine and stuff. But if you're like toking and ripping it up, that's not the time to start talking about legalizing and talking to anybody about it, because nothing is worse than somebody kicking back to the stereotypical pothead stoner cheech and chong and trying to trying to articulate words and trying to bring forth positive imaging and stuff. It's never going to succeed that way
0: well that's why I say what we need to do is have a marijuana civil disobedience where respectable people i mean I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people you know that are of the stoner mentality or the stoner. Uh, appearance, but the fact is you do appearances are important to a lot of people out there, and so having people that are dressed in business clothing smoking marijuana, I think would go a long way to uh, smashing people 's preconceived notions about what a marijuana smoker is and Kevin, thanks for the call tonight because the fact is people that smoke marijuana strike across uh, the economic spectrum it 's not just Poor, dumb people that smoke marijuana. Some of the most wealthy people in America are marijuana consumers. Uh, Some of the most successful people in America are marijuana consumers. Doctors and lawyers, all kinds of people smoke marijuana. And I think if more of them who did that were more public about it, would put a more public, uh, common face on the marijuana smoker, it would just, just smash the stereotypes. And well, I think that's important. I, I I hate the idea that you're uh you know uh denigrating the uh, uh
3: the the reputation of uh, uh marijuana smokers by including lawyers in that. But I would agree with you that I've <laughs> met lots of doctors. I've met I've met more than one doctor and more than one lawyer that smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some of the most successful people, I don't know, but I, but I can tell you from my personal experience I have met there's Doctors plenty of Hollywood people that and smoke marijuana. And uh, well, you know, I, I think that they, they exist outside of uh, the mainstream. They may be very successful. They're making
0: money. It's true. 1-800-259-9231. We go to the amp line. It's Ziggy across the pond in the U.K. Hi, guys. Um,
9: right, I wanted to uh, share a few thoughts um, after Ian's appearance on what was the station, Ian?
0: KGEZ was uh, the station I was on earlier this week, and I'll be on our new uh, FM station tomorrow morning uh, in South Carolina.
9: Um, yeah, you were getting quite a lot of crap from uh, conspiracy theorists saying that you don't um, respect them enough.
0: Yeah, it was uh, very interesting. Somebody made the observation that it's uh, some of our listeners in KGEZ land that they aren't <laughs> upset at us because we're questioning the state or questioning the government. They're upset at us because we haven't swallowed the uh, the conspiracy pill all the way.
9: Well, I'd like to applaud you um, for doing that um, because I think there's far too much of it in the liberty movement, I and mean, in fact, I think that the whole paranoid nuts with the elephant in the room concerning the Ron Paul campaign, Um, they scare people off.
0: Yeah, they're very upset. Many of them are very upset by the fact that Ron Paul hasn't embraced their uh, precious 9-11 truth.
9: um, I I, I would go further than that. I have made um, my conclusions about conspiracy theories. I, I, I think it boils down to two things. With um, with the likes of Alex Jones, and the reason I use Alex Jones is because he's a well-known figure. Mm -hmm. It's a case that the world's not according to him, and in fact, I think he's as bad as the government in that sense, because he wants a world according to him, because the world isn't according to him. I also have met people who think that the government's out to get them, and basically I think that's because they can't get their own way all the time. Um, And... Basically, you say to them, okay, especially with those who think that the government's out to get them, and go, where's the proof? And they go, oh, they try and deflect you by going, oh, well, that's actually part of the conspiracy. You know, it's a much larger conspiracy than you really think.
0: Right. Yeah, they're following me. I just can't prove it.
9: Yeah. You know, know, I I get sick and tired because it's a waste of time. Um, And and, and basically, it's a means of people not taking responsibility for their lives.
0: It's an interesting observation. I agree completely that it's a waste of time. In fact, I believe that the conspiracy is to waste people's time. I think there's a giant conspiracy out there to get people wasting their time doing research on these conspiracy theories so they won't actually do anything productive well, uh, toward yeah. advancing but, liberty. But
9: someone once, once, once joked to me that they reckoned that Alex Jones was actually in the pay, pay of the CIA, um, to deflect people from the real issues. I don't know.
0: That's, uh, you know, Uh, that's again going, that's just kind of having fun with the idea. I don't believe that to be the case, uh, but it's an interesting concept. Ziggy, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. I think Alex Jones does some very good work when it comes to uncovering the police state and talking about how uh, you know the, the American police state just becomes, is becoming more and more tyrannical as the days go on. And I, I hail him for that sort of work. I wish he'd focus more on that instead of the 9-11 stuff. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, you take control, bring up what you want, toll free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll free line, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features there we give away, so enjoy those on us, again, freetalklive.com, by the way, those features include live streams, updates, archives, the Shrine of Female Listeners, and so much more, uh, though if you want to help support the show on a voluntary basis, buy some Free Talk Live stuff. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. You can order all kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise, as well as uh, our special Free Marketeer logo. That was—it's uh, an original logo created by our store, uh, our store manager and uh, graphic design guru Johnson. Uh, We've slapped that logo on a nice, uh, not very nice uh, flag, as well as a Free Marketeer logo T-shirt. So those items are available. They're original Freetalk Live store only items. All there at store.freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls. We will talk to Mac from the uh, Policeman Mac in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mac. What's on your mind? Um, I
10: meant to ask I did yesterday, but you hey, I always talking about getting rid of the government and everything. I was just thinking about it, and how can I put it? It'll always be sheep. It'll always be those people who need rules. If you let them loose. <laughs> they want to know what to do there you know oh absolutely Mac. i
0: don't I don't want anybody to be confused getting rid of the government doesn't mean that rules go away uh, for instance no, when mean, you go to burger king they you know it says on the door no shirt no shoes no service those are rules that burger king has no they're not in order for <laughs> you know mark you keep telling me that's not true but the fact is some businesses have rules and they for, sure. for instance they don't want you coming in with a dog. Maybe be, not, be, not necessarily because it's against health code regulations, but because they don't want animals in their building, for instance.
10: Okay, I, mean, so, I didn't mean to say rules. I meant to say laws, as in laws that the government passed down. Like you can't drive a certain way. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know what I mean? Some people actually need laws to know what the, what the hell they do. doing. I don't think that's week, true.
0: No, no, I have to disagree with you. There's only one law that people need to know, and that is do no harm. As long as people understand that one, they can get a, get along through the rest of their lives. I mean, think about it, Mac. Only The only people I know that actually go and read the laws, are police officers like you. I know that there's a guy here uh, named Brad in New Hampshire. He's a great guy, listener of our show. He's a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And he's you know he does the overnight shift for a police department in New Hampshire, and he spends most of his time, when he's not on calls, reading the laws. That's his thing. It's what he does, because he's a cop. But the rest of us, all us regular folk, we don't do that stuff. Nobody reads the laws, so they couldn't possibly know what they are in the first place.
10: You got
0: a point. Yeah. Do <laughs> no harm. That's all we have to share. With, help people understand. If if there's no government out there, as long as you aren't hurting other people, or stealing their stuff, or damaging their property, then you are being law abiding. Because that's the the great you know the one great natural law, as far as I'm concerned. That's what. In fact, when they say, well, you know how they love to say this in court, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, that <laughs> or, that phrase came about when that was the law, when that was pretty much the only concept you had to get, was that you don't hurt other people. Get it? Mm-hmm. ignorance of yeah. that law, there's no excuse to ignore that law. That's That makes sense. But to say that ignorance of all these uh, tomes and tomes and tomes of legislation that we have out there, that there's no excuse for that, of course there's an excuse. I have to, I have bills to pay. I have a girlfriend to take care of. I've got things that I have to do in, in my life. I can't read the law. That's absurd. There is no, ex- I mean, there's, there are plenty of excuses for that. One more thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
10: You know, how the congressmen, um read, I mean, make the laws and everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
10: Especially the tax laws. I guess that's their favorite. But, you know, out of 535 congressmen and representatives, each one of them get the accountant to, uh, do the taxes. Really? The tax code is about as thick as a phone book. It's about 1,100 pages. <laughs> and, you know, I know, I don't want to go through it. I'm trying to get my taxes done for my business that I'm, that I'm doing right now. And it's a nightmare. Well, <laughs>
0: It figures it that really they is. do that. I mean, they don't want to do their taxes just as anybody else doesn't want to. And also, many of these Congress people that you talk about, especially in D.C., in the, at the state level, prob- they probably are more of them actually writing their own laws. But at the national level... These guys aren't even writing their laws. What they do is they come up with an idea, and then they hand it over to their administrative assistants or bureaucrats that are running certain departments, and then they say, well, here, write this law up, and I'll get it through uh, Congress. So many of them don't – a they, A, don't write the laws that they they have their names on, and B – they don't read the laws that they actually sign on to and and uh, and approve. So it's just a big scam going on in Washington D.C. Which again, uh, I again will throw the question out as to why on earth do we even need Washington D.C. Do we? Why do we need a federal government? Right. It
3: seems to me that state government is is fine for taking care of yeah, uh, people. I that's don't, big enough. I really don't think we need uh, uh, you know a federal government. at this
0: point. Good call tonight, Mac. Thanks for making it 800 right, two five. Yes, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go to Tom in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live, Tom.
11: Good evening, gentlemen.
0: Hey, what's on your mind?
11: Um, I just wanted to uh, mention uh, a couple of things. Actually, uh, I've been tuning in a little bit more lately, and um, I'm just so in agreement. I guess I turn on at the right times with what you were just saying. I mean, the simplicity in your, the concept. You're, you're outlining, you know, do no harm to others, right? and what do we even need Washington, D.C. and the federal government for?
0: I'd love if, to have someone answer that question. And, I really and, would. And,
11: you know, I, I was talking to a person the other day who, I mean, she was in agreement. It was, there wasn't a disagreement or anything. Mm-hmm. It was brought up the social security matter, and, you know, I said, you know, I don't know what's so hard to wrap your mind around the concept that the government has no business – being in that business,
2: right? And I don't care how
11: long it's been here, and I don't care how many people pay into it. And I know you've probably got a lot of listeners that participate in it, and you know nobody seems to, you know, really care to do anything about, you know, nobody takes action. I know you, I've talked to you guys about this before. It's like my like my third call, and I know you had talked about how you don't participate in the past. You had mentioned that, and
0: yeah, I don't participate. Neither of us participate in
3: Social Security. Nope. I just never heard of anyone going to jail for not putting money into Social Security. Unfortunately, I think that uh, a business can get in big trouble for not uh, participating really? in Social Security. And so, therefore... Um, it's probably
0: because their corporation you know, is required by the you know the laws of incorporation.
3: I, I don't know what the rules are. I imagine the fines are high, and then, you know, businesses don't want to get in trouble, get on the wrong side of the law. So, And most people work for a company, so, therefore, most people have their uh, Social Security taken out.
11: Right. And contract law... You know, when you sign a contract, you know, if you don't sign it or you're not involved with a contract, it doesn't apply to you. And it's largely based on that. And you guys the other night had a call, I called it, the tail end of it, we were discussing. He mentioned, a, I guess he's expecting a child or something, and they were, he was mentioning the birth certificate, the mm-hmm. all-capital letters name. And I, I definitely do not live and die by this book. But an old book from a few years ago, when the redemption process was kind of popular... Uh, the book Cracking the Code really does help, and it has, most of the pages in the book are, you know, it has a lot about the redemption process, but it has a lot of history in it, too, and I thought it was worth the money just for the historical content that was in it, and um, I do know only one person who did the process and used it to his benefit in court, but, you know, the old saying, you know, if you play with fires, you may get burned, so, um, I would say use with caution or you know, just steer clear of it altogether. Well, but hold on a second that, here, because is wh- that what
3: that redemptive process is? It, it has to do with uh, withdrawing yourself from the government no, no, organization? No no no, 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 no. I don't no, know what no, it means. No, no
11: you, you no, the file a UCC1 financing statement, yeah. and you put the all-capital letters name in the debtor. In, under the debtor's name. Let me and explain briefly what this is. We're, we're very short
0: it. on time. Uh, it, it, this process is a dangerous one. Essentially, yeah, what it so is, I'm not recommending. it. Right. What this is is it's a it's one of these patriot schemes or scams that you'll see perpetrated on the internet. And basically, what what'll happen is some someone claiming to be a liberty loving patriot will offer to sell you this secret as to how you can uh, you know get rid of all your debts magically. Uh, and right. then they you know they charge you hundreds of Dollars and they give you a CD-ROM full of crap, and they give you these instructions to follow. And basically, the idea is that and the the concept it's based on sort of you know it looks like it makes sense because the money system in America is based on lies and debt. Therefore, you can just use this process to clear out all your debt and everything will be just fine. And right. uh, it's just nonsense because the fact is, once you start doing this redemption process, all you're going to do is bring attention to yourself. Uh, right. You're no longer going to be flying under the radar in any way shape or form all your creditors are going to be on your butt they're going to be reporting you to the government as a res- uh, resu- uh, well, result actually, of
11: that you file with the government too the secretary right there's
0: all kinds of you're to- just raising red, red flags all over the right. place and you're going to get taken out you know if anything the redemption process is nothing more than you know a government plot to uh to to find people that what that want to withdraw from the system and go after them uh, it's really, it's a despicable thing, and to, and to to suggest that people can just, you know, eliminate their debts by signing a few pieces of paper, I think, is really disingenuous, and anybody should question these schemes yeah. and scams when they come across them. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. We appreciate that. 800-259-9231. If someone is charging you hundreds of dollars to give you the secret of how to get out of paying income tax, or how to stop, you know, stop, get rid of your debts, question that. Seriously, Because if it's a good idea, you should give it away for free. More on the way, it's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Show is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right to your calls, let's talk to John in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, John.
8: Hey, how you guys doing? Super. Good. What's um, on your mind? You know, I've we were I was listening to you the other day talk about uh, uh subject matters that are discussed over talk radio, yeah, and how often they're so uh academic in nature, and I'm afraid that we get into that same twist every time we get into subjects uh as a society we know we've got we we all seem to agree that we have these major problems going on with uh the amount of laws on the books, you know, like the old we were joking in the seventies of you know. Uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, how many laws are there, your honor? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and
2: yeah. You know, I actually
8: got a contempt of court as a child standing there with my dad almost I thought he was going to kill me because I didn't realize that they could charge you for being a smart ass.
2: Excuse, <laughs> that, excuse me. Yeah, that's um, all right.
8: but anyway, um we all agree. It I, it's hard to find anybody that doesn't agree to some level that it's out of control. Of course, in the 1700s, if somebody stole from you, you shot them. It was a pretty simple uh, legal system at that point. It's taken that long to get this country into the mess it's in today with the judicial system. Mm -hmm. It's taken that long to put that many laws, that many ordinances. Most people don't know the difference between a law and an ordinance. I hear a lot of people say, oh, that's against the law when it's actually an ordinance. But, you know, I didn't know how do we reverse this process? I, I I never hear anybody coming up with any viable solutions on, you know, do we just take the books and throw them out and say, guess what? There's no laws today. We just <laughs> go on good behavior because we don't have the same restriction or sustain, same capabilities as a nation to protect our properties. And, you know, where where do we start
0: it's an excellent question and I, I think i think you'll find two major answers at least for coming from the liberty movement uh, one side will tell you that well we have to change the system from the inside. This is the uh, the politics. The people that are really into politics they'll tell you that well we need to we need to get work real hard and elect our people and get them in there and then they're gonna you know then they can change the laws. But that's what we've been trying to do for the last several decades and we've seen how ineffective it is. Uh, the other Correct. the other side is sort of the outside of the system activism where uh, and I and I th- I believe the personally I believe the answer is a little bit of both. But let me give you the other side. The other side is the outside of the system stuff which involves civil disobedience, which of course uh, the um, you know Martin Luther King had a lot of success with. Uh, Ron Paul endorses civil disobedience. As a matter of fact, so civil disobedience is something that we just don't see in America very much these days. And I think it would do a lot to bring attention to re- particularly bad laws that could be pretty beneficial. But also uh, the the um the agorists would tell you the A lot of the free marketeers will tell you That what we'd like to see is uh, Some competing organizations start up Like uh, marketplace protection agencies That would be essentially competing With the government uh, Arbitration courts To see sort of alternatives spring up That would allow people to utilize those alternatives Instead of u- utilizing the government And that way we could transition away From the government By voluntarily using private solutions Instead of government options But the problem there is that government doesn't like competition In many cases it's completely outlawed For instance if you were to start up A, protect, a private protection agency The government might just decide you're a gang And uh, yeah. and you know go after you For that so, Under RICO Right. So they, so there's a lot of problems here. And, of course, they're all caused by the government itself. And that's why I say I think a, a combination of both approaches is going to be most effective because we aren't seeing very much effect just trying to elect politicians. First of all, we're just not electing them, yeah. uh, number one. It's not happening. And then, you know, number two, when they get in, if they, still, if they aren't the majority, then there's really not that much that, that can be done. So it's a very slow process. But even with the politicians that you have in place today, if you engage in civil disobedience uh once you Once you get the civil disobedience to a point where you know if you 've got a hundred people smoking a marijuana cigarette out in front of the police station, they just don 't have enough police to arrest you all with. You know, so at a certain point, it really starts to show the absurdity of uh, of many of these laws. But then again, how do you find 100 people willing to break the law like that? That's kind of the and trick to civil disobedience, right? So none of these right, answers that's my are question.
8: easy. How do we get it initiated?
0: Right. None of, none of these are easy. You know, we had Mark Emery on. Uh, he's the Prince of Pot. I don't know if you heard that episode. It was a couple Saturday nights ago, but if you missed it, you can go to freetalklive.com and download the, uh, the archive there. But Mark Emery, the Prince of Pot from Canada, he's the most well-known... Uh, w- the most wanted marijuana criminal in the, in the United States. The U.S. is trying to extradite him from Canada in order to put him in jail for the rest of his life for selling marijuana seeds. Anyway, this guy is brilliant, and he has done civil disobedience very successfully throughout his, uh, throughout his life, and it has made a difference. But what he said was that he went on a tour around to different uh, areas, different provinces of Canada he called it the summer of uh, uh, what was it the summer of uh, summer of marijuana or right. summer of legal summer of legalization tour or something like that anyway the point was he was going to different cities and he had scheduled appearances in front of police departments in each of those cities where he had announced in advance that he was going to be there smoking a bong right out in front of the police department and what he said was that there were i think 6 instances ...where he was arrested... right, ...and S- like six different provinces. 12 instances where they didn't bother arresting him... ...and what he said was that when he didn't get arrested... ...all of a sudden the people that were there to watch... ...they decided to join in... ...so in the instances where he didn't get arrested... Then everybody else all of a sudden found some courage and decided to join in and, uh, and smoke the marijuana in front of the police department. But in the instances where it was just him uh, smoking and then he got arrested, nobody else joined in. So, there's again, this is very, very difficult, which is why I think the other right. part to the solution is to bring these activists together in the same place. Because we've got some wonderful activists scattered throughout the country. And the whole point of the Free State Project, of course, which we talk about frequently on this show, is to move all those wonderful liberty Loving activists all to the same place, in this case New Hampshire was chosen. And and get them together, whether they're doing political activism or whether they're doing outside of the system civil disobedience or other things then their activism will be all that more powerful because they'll be there to back each other up. They'll be there to uh, record the events, to join together uh, in the civil disobedience, and to uh, to get active together. And I I think we've seen some unprecedented levels of success even at the very early, early stages of this project. So I think that's going to be a huge factor, too. Well,
8: just real quick, well, uh, year, summer before last, actually during the bikers rally in Sturges, mm-hmm. um, that's so about 12 hours from where I'm at. Um, we got together uh, a number of Native American groups and we surrounded the Meade County Courthouse mm. uh, in protest of some stuff going on at uh, Bear Butte. And the there was probably 500 people in attendance, and we did. We just filled the area up, which effectively for a courthouse and a sheriff's office of that size basically closes it down for the day. Yeah, And we stayed there. We marched in. We stayed there for good part of the day and you know it was very effective but of course the very next day it's business as usual right but people who are protesting so much stuff going on today where because they didn't agree with us on one issue because it's a sacred mountain and of course and we got those problems to come in then all of a sudden it's like well okay well we don't want no part of that and it's like getting the group the people together and it seems to be extreme it's either i really don't want to do nothing or I'd really like to do something, and then, of course, she got the extreme of, you know, we got to go right to guns, and it's like, no no no, no, <laughs> no, 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 let's try all our other alternatives first before we start getting ourselves into a real nasty situation. And, you know, it's easy to say that over a radio or over a telephone, and it sounds macho, but looking at it from a realistic sense, you know, to like I say, it's taken, you know, how many hundreds of years to get this, Country in the shape it's at, using the you know, with the laws and all that to reverse it's going to take a long time. Well, now that I disagree with, we need to with. start making some
0: major changes. The, the major changes have to happen, but I disagree that it will take long to reverse it because we have the internet now, and we didn't have it you know, 20 years ago. And so the uh, information about liberty and the ideas of freedom can spread in a much faster manner, in a much more effective manner than they ever could in the past. Uh, That's, it's the internet is why we're doing this show on the stations we're doing it on. It's the internet is why the Free State Project exists, and we have all these wonderful activists coming to the same place. And so I think what you're going to see is, once we get something moving, once that ball is really rolling down the hill, that snowball really coming down the hill, it's going to pick up speed, and it's going To accelerate just in the same way that uh, no one foresaw the Berlin Wall coming down or the breakup of the Soviet Union. These were unexpected events that happened very, very quickly. I think the next American Revolution could happen fast, too. Thanks for the call tonight. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airways via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and get them right there on the front page of the website, freetalklive.com.
3: SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. And please do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live.
0: All right, so just a few more comments on what we were talking about with John a few moments ago in Montana. And, of course, we'll take your calls about anything at 800-259-9231. Um, I again used the term, the wrong term at the end of the last segment. I said revolution, and I think evolution is more appropriate because we don't want to start over. We have no interest in starting things over, especially at a federal level. I don't want to revolve the federal government. I want to mm. eject the federal government. <laughs> I want to move on. It's time for humanity to advance uh, to a more voluntary society than we currently have today. And I think it can happen at a much faster clip than many people realize. I think that the most difficult part is the startup phase, where you're trying to get people together, to get them active. To start making a difference. I think, you know, getting those people together and getting them active, that's the most difficult and most challenging aspect. Once we have a certain percentage of people that are either activists or supporting the activists, once we have people that are seriously involved in this movement and things are happening more often than they are today then it'll start to build upon itself in the same way that the Ron Paul campaign has had all of this spontaneous activity happen that they never expected to happen. They it really just, didn't. It just started and it got bigger and it's just built upon itself and all kinds of different things happen. There are people selling Ron Paul merchandise. There are people coming up with activism ideas. There are people co- you know that are doing fundraising. variety of different things are happening and they're all completely decentralized. No, There's no single person out there saying, okay, you do this, you do that, and you do this. Every Everyone's just doing what they think is right. And, of course, that's the whole concept behind the Free State Project, the idea that move liberty activists to New Hampshire, then they do what they think is best. Some will do politics. Some will do outside the system. Some will do uh, different things. And as more and more people start coming here, as more things start to occur, the government's going to realize, the people in government are going to figure out at a certain point that they can't handle this anymore. Like, there will be so many people participating in civil disobedience that the cops will realize it's fruitless to arrest them all because they just don't have the resources
3: to do that. You mean like they've uh, realized that it's fruitless to arrest all the marijuana smokers?
0: What do you mean? Well, they haven't realized that. I understand that the, the marijuana smokers aren't doing civil disobedience. It's not, it doesn't count as civil disobedience if you're sitting in your living room getting high. It's when you're going out in front of the well, police were, department doing you
3: it. You were saying that uh, civil diso- that the cops would get tired of arresting people for civil disobedience and they would um, see that it wasn't doing any good. And I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not sure that that's entirely true. The I don't cops,
0: know if it's just the cops, the politicians. I, I, what I'm trying to say is I think I that civil
3: disobedience is a good thing, and I think that it, uh, it, it's effective. It certainly has been used effectively in this
0: country. I just think, I think then that they would then figure out that people aren't hiding anymore. They're not afraid of us anymore. I think that's the mentality that I'm trying to uh, to explain that, that might be conveyed. I don't know what they're going to think, Mark, but they aren't seeing this happen now. And I'm just trying to think about what would go through their mind if incidents of civil disobedience like that started happening on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. They would lose it. I mean, they don't know how to have. When Lauren Canario, one of the activists up here in New Hampshire, when Lauren Canario gets arrested, and she's gotten arrested several times now for completely. She's good at it. Yeah, she, for completely nonviolent things. She's never harmed another person. She, she does not cooperate with them. Mm-mm. She doesn't sign their paperwork. She doesn't help them in any way, shape, or form. She doesn't walk from one point to another. They have to carry her if they want to move her around. They are so frustrated by Lauren. It is so frustrating to them. She tells the stories about the bureaucrats begging her, the cops, when she's sitting in the uh, the van going from one point to another. The cops begged her at one point to please, please come out of the van. We don't want to have to carry you. Well, they don't want to have to work. And she makes it so they have to do work. Hmm. And uh, and so they get rid of her. After a while, they get tired of it. And they say, yeah, get out of here. I'm surprised they that they go. don't
3: uh, chain her to other convicts um, when they transport her to different places. And, well,
0: it would um, just slow the other convict down. It, it it would. It would be very interesting. But But my point here is Lauren is only one person. And she has shown that one person can have a very significant effect on the bureaucrats themselves. Inside the system. If more people were to do that same thing, if people were to go out and engage in civil disobedience and then take the Lauren Canario approach, if they were arrested, Mm -hmm. it would totally screw the system. Totally. So what I'm saying here is these changes that we're talking about, that we're agitating for on a nightly basis on Free Talk Live, it doesn't take a lot of people it just takes some, some of them. Yeah. It just takes some people who will have the courage to put it on the line, and you don't have to put it all well, on the line.
3: And, and oh, hold on. In, in, in uh, defense of the, the people that want to go through the political system, uh, Dennis Goddard, who is very active in the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, says that, uh, in fact, it, it's, it'll, it's only going to take a few dozen um, legislators. Who they can are certainly Liberty. swing the votes. At that point, uh, that would make a difference as far as um, just about every pro-liberty issue out there. That you know, just a few dozen. That's the same thing that I'm 400, saying. Four hundred. There are four hundred uh, representatives right.
0: in uh, in this state. A few dozen is nothing. Uh, 10%. 10%, um, so that's ten percent. It's ten percent, basically. So that that ties into what I'm saying here, Mark. It only takes a small amount to make very significant changes. Look at the uh, the way that ideas have been uh, become popularized in culture. They explain this in The Market for Liberty, which, by the way, is an excellent book. You can download a free audiobook version or PDF version at book.freekeen.com. They talk about, though, how, you know, ideas are... There's certain people that come a very small percentage of the population, like the idea men. You know, these brilliant scholarly types that Mm -hmm. sit around and they think about ideas all the time. It's true. There's these influencers out there. Right. Well, no, no, no. The idea men aren't the influencers. The idea men come with the ideas. And then there are the conveyor belts. People like us mark mm-hmm. See, we aren't original we didn't come up with these ideas most of them but wait uh but we thought we we encountered these ideas we analyzed the ideas the, the we, ideas spoke to us right we accepted the ideas we internalized we learned more about them so we could effectively communicate them to others mm-hmm. we are the conveyor belts of these ideas um and so are you if you're talking to other people about freedom. Uh, and so spreading the ideas via the conveyor belts helps uh, get more people associated with them, and eventually they become popular. And so that's what we have to do with the ideas of liberty. We we have to popularize them. But, but it won't take 100% acceptance of the liberty ideas in order to implement them. It might only take 5%. Because it's just like we were talking earlier, most people are do-nothings. Mm-hmm. Most people, they sit back, yeah, they might want to legalize marijuana, but they're not willing they're to not lift a finger to do it. anything about it. Uh, Most people, you know, they might want to see some changes, but they've got bills to pay and things to do. So, most people are not a factor. It's the doers that are the factor. And that's why the Free State Project is going to be a success. Because the doers are coming here to New Hampshire to get it done. It's true. And then uh, again, the ideas will become popular because there will be more conveyor belts. I just found out that a, a new we're gonna have somebody new moving out here to Keene, New Hampshire. He's involved in media, so we got yet another pro-liberty media person coming here.
3: Well, I want um, you know the, the the ideas of liberty spread everywhere. I just think that the best and most expedient way to do it is the Free State Project.
0: More on the way. You can take control. Well, once we free New Hampshire, other people will follow. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. Bring up what you want. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's com. Movies, lingerie, and marital aids. Over 18,000 adult entertainment products can be found at AdamEve.com, and they've got a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com slash talk and get 50% off of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off at com slash talk. We go to your phone calls. Dave in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave.
12: Hey, how are you guys? Uh, What's on your mind? Today the anniversary of the St. Saint Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, an event that exposed the evil of Prohibition. And it brought about the end of Prohibition because people were up in arms about seven people getting killed. Last year, thousands of people died in the war on drugs. I'm wondering, where is the common sense of the people?
0: Now, where's the outrage? That,
12: that they don't demand the outrage. Right, the outrage that the cops are killing people. People are killing cops. The... Politicians are are selling drugs to make wars, or covert wars. Our governments are using the, the profits to to bring evil to to poor countries. You know what I'm saying? Dave,
0: do you do you feel like uh, that alcohol prohibition was perhaps more visible to the American people than the drug war is?
12: Well, it's more it was, it's a more acceptable drug. That's all you know because. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's been going on forever, you know. The same yeah, thing. Yeah, but but, but the, wait a
0: minute. But it wasn't acceptable to a lot of people when it was prohibited. In the same way that drugs aren't acceptable to a lot of people today. So my question is that when, when terrible things happened during alcohol prohibition, was more attention paid to it instead of like you know now the the big cover stories of the newspaper, the right, magazines are it's about in politicians the
12: all the time. And you know it's, it's downplayed, I guess, and because they don't want to draw attention to it because all the money. If you took all the money that is that pays the people that chase the drugs the money that pays the people that house the the criminals once they they you know once they get busted and put them in prison mm-hmm. the the money that's made from the profits of the underground racket of it it's in the trillions worldwide we could end if you Legalize a non-violent vice, all types. You know, it, it would end all our problems in the world. But there, no, me- I don't they're know if I would make that statement. To,
0: it would go a long way to helping a lot of things. That's for sure. It,
12: it would end a lot of corruption. You no know, it, it would expose a lot of corruption because these guys are so fat in, uh, into their corruption that they, they would be up to, the ones yelling the loudest would give themselves away.
0: You know, Dave. Uh, thank you for the call tonight. As always, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The the one of the most sad aspects of prohibition is that when drugs that are relatively harmless, like marijuana, are not available to young people, mm-hmm. they find something else. That's true. Now we've seen stories about inhalants, right? For instance, and the
3: toxicity of uh, a potato is more than uh, marijuana. Really i didn't know that now you do
0: all right you learn something new every night there's a nightshade okay so here's my point uh we know about inhalants that's yeah people know kids they get spray paint or whatever it is that they're doing in Inha- gasoline that's one the uh, freon they like that one uh different things yeah
3: inhalants are terrible right. stuff
0: and they really are damaging to you in fact uh but they're never going to ban inhalants because you have to have spray paint you have to have these things in order to Make your house well.
3: Stuff. I think they do have uh, some restrictions on purchasing of uh, spray paint, especially metallic spray paints. And I don't know if it's a, a law or a rule that um, businesses have, um, but I would. But suspect that doesn't it's do, do any good.
0: That doesn't. I mean, that doesn't change anything. Uh, it doesn't keep it out of the hands of kids. No, it, it makes them more is, inventive. Right. Well, you just go to daddy's garage and get the spray paint from there. So well, here's the other. Well, run story. out at some point. Here's the other story. Reuters, Washington. At least 82 youths in the United States have died since 1995, engaging in the choking game in which they try to experience a fleeting high by cutting off the oxygen supply to the brain, U.S. health officials said on Thursday. Now, we've talked about this in the past, but Mm -hmm. it comes up in the news from time to time. And when it comes up, I like to bring it up because I don't think a lot of people know about this. I know I didn't. And word is it's more popular today than it ever was in the past amongst young people. Well, the internet's out there. You know, that's it's true. Just, it, it's just young people are on the internet,
3: and information spreads more quickly yeah. now. Uh, They're I sharing learned, ideas. I stuff. learned it from uh, uh, you know some, some kids that I met at a dog show. <clears throat> My mom used to take me to dog shows all the time, and I met it. Um, learned it from some kids there, and uh, I I I learned, You know, I I don't think I ever taught anybody, but uh, it gets passed on.
0: An unknown number of youths, mostly boys, are taking part in the practice in which they strangle themselves with their hands or a noose or have someone else strangle them, say the CDC. According to them, they hope to get a cool and dreamy feeling, as they've described it. The report, the first effort to track this nationwide, identified the deaths of 82 people from ages 6 to 19 from 1995 to 2007 that appear to have been caused by the choking game. The CDC says the report probably underestimates the death, uh, the death toll. Boys accounted for 87% of the deaths in 31 states, and then the uh, the greatest number of deaths among were among boys from 11 to 16. They're trying to achieve the brief euphoric state caused by cerebral cerebral hypoxia or the cutting off of the oxygen supply to the brain. Most most deaths occurred when a child was alone trying to literally hang themselves to get high. Hmm. Uh, they say that it's also known as the blackout game, pass out game, scarf game, and space monkey. The CDC monkey. does not think the publicity caused by the report will lead to more children trying the practice, which is nonsense. Right. Absolutely, it will. I don't think the kids. <laughs> I don't think kids read the news that much. Tublin sold, uh, they said that we chose to go ahead with the report because we think it's critical that parents, educators, and healthcare providers become aware of this phenomenon. I would agree. So so they can look for the warning signs. What are
3: the warning signs? I don't know. (laughs) Death
0: or serious injury can occur if strangulation is prolonged. Non-fatal consequences could include brain damage, seizures, hemorrhages of the eyes, or concussions and fractures due to falls after losing consciousness. With official records of choking game deaths lacking, the CDC says it relied on news media accounts of the deaths. Uh, So the report, uh, it goes on here to give you some examples. A young boy, 13, in 2006 was found by his mother slumped in his bedroom with a belt around his neck. Hmm. Other teens came forward to say that it was... She probably didn't even know what happened, you know? Right.
3: She probably didn't even know about this choking game. She thought that he strangled himself for some reason or was playing some dumb game. Well, they
0: found out when other teens came forward to say yeah. it was the choking game that was being played at local parties. Mm. In April of 2005, a 13-year-old girl was found hanging from a noose fashioned from a belt and shoelace on the door of her bedroom closet. The girl previously had told a cousin she'd recently played the choking game in the locker room at school. Yeah. The CDC says it appears teens are learning about the practice from peers or web videos. Warning signs they include uh, the child... That a child might be trying to practice include bloodshot eyes, marks on the neck, severe headaches, the presence of ropes, scarves or belts tied to bedroom furniture or doorknobs or found knotted on the floor or the unexplained presence of dog leashes or choke collars. The CDC did not count deaths involving autoerotic asphyxiation, choking oneself during sexual stimulation and also excluded deaths ruled ruled as uh, suicide. So kids are choking themselves and they're getting high by almost dying. That's what the high is. You're dying. Yeah. That's why you're getting high. You know, it,
3: it, if parents had to choose between this and uh, marijuana, I wonder what they'd choose because it uh, obviously it's obvious is to that me. a tough choice when, for anyone. <laughs> when um when you see the kids ages I don't know. I can't, I can't even guess. Ten. These are young people. Um, I, I'm just trying to w- imagine where I was. Ten, eleven, twelve. In that age, when they're getting high, and that's what they're doing mm-hmm. by um, choking themselves in this manner, it just goes to show that humans are gonna get high. Oh yeah. You may not like it. You may it it may bother you that your child is going to get high. But I'm I'm going to tell you that you know whether that high is are good. From alcohol, whether it comes from marijuana, whether it comes from choking themselves, whether it comes from, uh, you know, it, inhaling metallic spray paint, they're gonna do it. You, you know, you, you can't prevent your kids from doing the same things that most people do, probably 90% of Americans.
0: People want to alter their state of consciousness, so let's re legalize the safer ways and stop kids from doing crap like this. This is nuts. what would you as a parent say? What's your choice? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, just enough time for your call. If you make it now, 800 259 9231, the SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, uh, so enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. Like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up for as little as three bucks a month. And it's a simple concept. The idea is you send that money in, we take it in, turn it around. Reinvested into the show, get more stations on board, more people listening to the program, spread the message of freedom and liberty. You'll also get perks. You get access to the amp only call-in line, chat room, and forum. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. So again, the question is still on the table. I I don't imagine anybody's going to call to answer it in the, uh, the in the affirmative towards uh, they'd rather have their kids choking each other. The, the question was. If your kids presume for a moment that your young person, your your child, is going to at some point decide he wants to get high, would you prefer to have your child choke himself, or be choked by another person in order to cut off the oxygen supply to the brain, or would you prefer they smoke some marijuana? Hmm. Now I don't think that's a tough choice. Doesn't seem like it to me, but I find the idea of being choked frightening. I find that to be scary, dangerous, and as we've seen, 80 people have died. 82 people, teenagers, have died from choking. Or Actually, not all teenagers, some 11, 12, but uh, they've died. Tweens. Right, they've died from choking in order to get high. Now, contrast that to zero people dying from smoking marijuana. Seems like an obvious choice to me.
3: I suppose there there have to be numbers out there of people who have smoked marijuana and made dumb decisions and died as a result of something else. Maybe. Um, I, I wouldn't,
0: you know, I I, I... I don't think anyone's ever gotten high and jumped off a roof thinking they could fly.
3: I don't know. On marijuana, uh, I know that the first time I smoked marijuana, um, I was... I, I had to drive a car to get back where the I was. The first time? The first time I had to wow. drive a car and I almost... Made a left turn yeah. into a building. It was a bad idea. Fortunately, that was a bad there was, choice. There was some, um I, There was somebody in the car
0: with me, and but that that you could chalk that up to just being teenage and dumb, not necessarily because you were high. Well,
3: I think it was it had to do with being
0: high too, but maybe a factor of both. But it, either but way, the, the,
3: an interesting point on that is somebody else in the car. Um, you know, another guy. Um, he had smoked plenty of marijuana, mm-hmm. and it wasn't his first time, and so therefore he wasn't you know uh, it, as loopy as he I was. He Should have driven. I don't, I I was really, you know, I was was like 16,
0: dude. I didn't want other people, it wasn't wasn't even my car, it was my mother's car. I gotcha. Well, anyway, uh, marijuana absolutely less harmful than choking somebody, uh, so it needs to be re-legalized. But just just to point out, I mean, in case you're new to this program, just to point out how asinine these drug prohibition laws are, imagine for a moment, Mark, that the legislators decided to respond to the news of this choking game with more legislation. Imagine some legislator up on his high horse behind his podium saying, I've read the CDC report that's shown that 82 children of the last 10 years have died from this choking game, and I think it's outrageous. It's a scourge upon society, and we need to put a stop to this. So, I'm introducing legislation that will ban the choking game. If children are discovered to have been playing the choking game, they will be sentenced to a minimum of 30 years in juvenile detention, and adults... Did I say years? Days. 30 days in juvenile detention, and adults found to have been engaging in the choking game will be sentenced to a year in jail. It will be a misdemeanor offense. We need to get serious about this choking game. Kids are getting hurt. It's time we passed a law. So then, little Johnny decides he wants to get high with his friends. They can't find any marijuana, Mm -hmm. so they decide to play the choking game. Or maybe they can't afford the marijuana. Word is kids can get their hands on marijuana pretty easily. But, but they don't. Have, but they're not allowed to work, and it's difficult for get, yeah, them to get money at age and, ten. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be hard to, to buy marijuana. Uh, so they start. To, you know, they play the choking game, and one kid gets scared. He gets scared, so he goes and he tells his parents, Oh, Jimmy and uh, Bobby, you're playing the choking game. Oh, my goodness, that's illegal. We should call the police to help save these kids. (laughs) And then the police, you know, they show up and they pile out of their cars and, you know, pull guns on the kids. All right, you're under arrest for playing the choking game. And don't think they won't. Right. Now, how does that make things better? Hmm? How does passing a law, outlawing the choking game, help kids? It doesn't. No. In the same way that passing a law against marijuana doesn't help kids either. It just makes their lives worse. When you get arrested and you go through the system for marijuana possession or whatever other drug you have possessed, your life just got worse, immeasurably worse. It's like the, the guys over at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition say, you can get over uh, an addiction, but you can never get over a conviction. Nope, it's with you forever. Right. And uh, people are always going to hold it against you. I can tell you that...
3: Uh, you know it's it relatively recently it's come out that i was a uh, convicted felon and you know that my that my detractors out there certainly hold it against me mm-hmm. you know something that happened 20 years ago is 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 an important piece of
0: information to them so moving on just wanted to point out that it would be asinine to outlaw the choking game in the same way it's asinine to outlaw marijuana and other drugs please let's relegalize it for the sake of the children story from phoenix new york times The uh, the signs of flight among Latino immigrants here are multiple. Families moving out of apartment complexes. Schools reporting enrollment drops. Business owners complaining about fewer clients. While it's too early to know for certain a consensus is developing among economists, business people, and immigration groups that the weakening economy, coupled with recent curbs on illegal immigration, are steering Hispanic immigrants out of the state of Arizona. Mm. The economy there, heavily dependent on growth and a Latino workforce, has been slowing for months. Meanwhile, the state has enacted one of the country's toughest laws to punish employers who hire illegal immigrants.
3: Right, and they could care less whether it uh, hurts your business.
0: And the county sheriff in Phoenix has been enforcing federal immigration laws by rounding people up living illegally. Mm. Frank Pearson, lead organizer uh, organizer of the Arizona Interfaith Network, which advocates Mm. for immigrants' rights and other causes, says it's very difficult to separate the economic reality in Arizona from the effects of the laws because the economy is tanking and construction is drying up. He says the combination of factors creates a real disincentive to stay in the state. Says State Representative Russell Pierce, uh, leading advocate of the crackdown on illegal immigration, takes reports of unauthorized workers leaving as a sign of success. This is great! An estimated 1 in 10 workers in Arizona are Hispanic immigrants, both legal and illegal. But guess what? Both of them are moving out. Yeah.
3: You know, um, a lot of these people that are legal are related to people that are illegal. Right. When you start kicking out their family, you make them feel damn unwelcome.
0: Exactly. And and when you're coming in raiding businesses and you're forcing people to to uh, not be able to do the work they're support, supposed to do and scaring them to death with these armed goons with guns, who wants to go through that when they come to work?
3: You know, I, I I'd like to to extend extended an invitation. Any illegal aliens listening to me, please come to New
0: Hampshire. Please sign uh, up for the Free State Project and come here. Vamos. On uh, Monday, state lawmakers concerned about shortages. I think of, it's binga. Huh? Binga. Does that come here? <laughs> Yes, almost. move right. Let's get, go. Get moving. Let's yeah. go. Okay. Anyway, I I only went to government school. Mark, my Spanish is a little rusty. Uh, let's see. Monday, state lawmaker, state lawmakers concerned about shortages of workers and the failed revamping of immigration law, uh, pledged action. Bills were announced that would create a state-run temporary worker program, though it would need congressional authorization. And last week, the governor offered to help the United States Labor Department rewrite regulations designed to streamline visas for agricultural workers. So they're going to solve this problem with more government programs, Mark. That's going to make people want to stick around, right? Uh Uh-huh. While data for the last month or so are not available, there were already signs of migration out of Arizona at the end of last year. In the fourth quarter of 2007, the apartment vacancy rate in in metropolitan Phoenix rose to 11.2% from 9% in the same quarter of 2006, with much higher rates of 15% in more heavily Latino neighborhoods. So they're leaving. Terry Feinberg, president of the Arizona Multi-Housing Alliance, says, "You've got many people moving out, but they're not all illegal. A lot of people moving are citizens or legal, but because someone in their family or social network is not, and they're having a hard—they're all—they're having, having a hard time keeping or finding a job, so they all move. This is what happens." When you crack down on immigration Uh, People just say, screw it, we're out of here There goes your economy And business owners that thought they wanted to get rid of the illegals Well, now they're thinking twice mm. Because now nobody's coming into the convenience store Buying coffee in the morning on the way to work Mm. Now nobody's coming in to buy food for their family When they, you know, to to feed them at night time
3: Yeah, hate isn't good for anyone
0: it's time we end this, uh, immigration, this war on immigration and restore freedom to America because it's critical. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out as another, yet another unintended consequence of these uh, immigration laws. Right.
3: These immigration laws hurt Americans.
0: We are short on time. We're going to try to get here to uh, Ken in Tennessee. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
4: Yeah, hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that I was really disappointed to hear that they're going to try to have a government-mandated moratorium on foreclosures. Not because I'm not concerned about people who are going to lose their house, but my wife and I at one time had five jobs.
0: Wow. So we could pay our mortgage.
4: And that is a slap in her face. She's deceased now. Mm. That is a slap in her face.
0: Yeah.
3: You
4: it's know, a, a slap lot of, in
0: the face to do business as well.
4: Of,
3: yeah, a lot of Americans work very hard to uh, pay their bills, and, uh, you know, this law coming in the place so that uh, people don't get their houses foreclosed on that aren't paying their bills.
0: You're absolutely right, Ken. Thanks for the call tonight. We're out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. Back tomorrow. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.